Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. Welcome to It's All Journalism. This is Michael O'Connell in the studio with Nicole Agrisco. Hello, Nicole. Hey. And then also on Skype, our uh, faraway producer, Amber Healy. Hello, Amber. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's going great. We're all in studio because this is our big end of the year podcast. We're looking back at uh, all we kind of accomplished over the years, sort of count down our top episodes, and then maybe look a little bit forward into 2018 and uh, talk about some of the things we've got planned. How was your 2018, Amber? Uh, it was busy. Um, second full year living back home in Buffalo. I have a new niece. Her name is Nora. I went to about 40 concerts and generally uh, try not to get myself into too much trouble. Living the good life in Western New York. Excellent. Doing what I can. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Nicole? How was your year? You, you started busy. A, you busy. Yeah, you started. You did this podcast, but you also started your own podcast. Oh, yeah, that did happen this year. It was we were saying kind of offline before we started talking. Every time someone mentions something that apparently happened this year, I'm just shocked that it did, in fact, actually happen this year because it feels like it could have been years ago. Yeah, it's been a pretty jam packed year, not just podcast wise, but but world wise world and news wise. Yeah, but we're going to we're going to concentrate on our little corner of it. So it still happened. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we, and some of that we tried to reflect in, in the podcast. But anywho, so we were trying to, we were discussing about how we would want to do this. We, we want to talk a little bit about what we got planned for the, the coming year, what, what, what are some of the big highlights of the year. But I think uh, we, to sort of get moving on uh, our top 10 podcasts that we had for the year. So we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to count down the top 10 podcasts. We're going to play a little clip from each so we can remind everybody who we're, we're talking about. And then we'll just sort of share a few thoughts about that interview. So the first one, our number 10 is Joy Mayer. She is an engagement strategist with the Reynolds Journalism Institute. That to me is, I like to call it Wizard of Oz journalism. It's, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. We know what we're doing. You're lucky to have us. You will take what we give you and you will <laughs> like it. And instead of really investing time and understanding what people need from you, you know, not just throwing out a question and waiting for people to respond and then patting yourself on the back because you've engaged. It's like, you know, real engagement happens when you're adjusting what you're doing based on the feedback you're getting and where your coverage is really influenced by what you're getting back. That's that's a relationship. This is one of those podcasts that sort of came about because I was thinking about things at my, my day job, about how to use data analytics, how to, you know, reach people through comments and how to interact with people on social media. And uh, Joy was just, uh, well, she was a joy to talk to. She just a bundle of energy and, and uh, information about, you know, how newsrooms can communicate and how important it is for us to establish a rapport with our audience, to, m making for better reporting, making for better content. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm thinking about a story that I wrote this year at my day job at Federal News Radio. And it was all because a reader 
said, hey, I'm having trouble with this donating to this place that I was told I could donate to as a federal retiree. It's not working. And when I read his comment, I just thought, oh, okay, well, you know, he's just not getting it. He's not seeing what he needs to see. You know, something's not working on his end. And then when I looked into it a little bit more, he was 100% right. And, you know, ended up writing a story about it. And it turned out it was something that happened that went wrong on the agency's part. And, you know, it was a whole story. So, I mean, responding to what readers are commenting and what they're saying, I think, is is really important. All right. Uh, Amber, did you have any thoughts about uh, Joy? I think... If I'm remembering correctly, I think, you know, that this is what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to be engaging with our, whether it's a reader, a listener, a watcher, there's a fine line between clickbait and like really quality information. And I think, you know, the more people think about it, and this is something that I'm doing now in my new job, thinking about how to make things attractive and interesting without sort of selling things short. Um, there's a fine line to walk, but I think Joy really, you know, the better, the more tips we can make available to people, the better. So our next clip uh, is uh, our number nine podcast, and that was Julia Goldberg. She's a professor of creative writing at Santa Fe University of Art and Design. To me, teaching has been a lot about talking people out of thinking they hate journalism and making them love it. And I think the book in a large, in a lot of ways, is sort of a calling it a love letter is a little bit say, but you know, it's a little bit of, to me, a love letter to how much journalism means to me and all the journalists who have influenced me and and inspired me. And I think now more than ever, it's really important to keep reminding people how important the work journalists do is for our society. This was a fun interview. I had uh, read her book, uh, Julia's book about writing, shortly before I started my class that I was teaching and, and podcasting. And it was, it was a really nice experience talking to her about how she teaches writing to people who aren't used to writing, but then also how journalists who've been around for a while can sort of get jazzed about writing again. Yeah, I remember this one in particular, uh, and I remember thinking that it was, it seemed like such a no-brainer, you know, but the more we read, the more our brains are, you know, awake and engaged, and we learn new words, and we read cool phrasing, and it really does make a difference as a writer to have just read something really great. I think there is sort of a lot of inspiration that can be pulled from that. I remember hearing this and just thinking, all of the ideas resonated with me very much, but it's just so hard to hard to find time sometimes to read when you're on this this cycle this endless news cycle and you're going 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 it could be so hard sometimes to just find time to read something that you you know it could just be about a hobby or something that you want to read that jk rowling harry potter cursed child book is, has been on my bookshelf forever and i haven't been able to read it and that's a poor example here of a book but <laughs> i just i wish i had more time to read right the the thing is is that we all use writing in our jobs and you I mean you write Nicole you write you know what five to ten stories a week somewhere sometimes in there, yeah. more yeah, somewhere in there that's a lot of lot you know and just how to how to stay inspired so that you're not just like feeling like you're cranking stuff out and actually you do a pretty good job of uh, mixing up your writing I think anyway our next uh, number eight podcast top podcast of the year Matt Pearl he's a solo video journalist from Atlanta. Great little conversation about a book he had written about how people can become, you know, one-man bands uh, in, in producing video. I had envisioned this as a triumphant moment where, you know, it, I didn't quite know what it would look like because this was a one-year-old baby, but I assumed that it would be a very happy, joyous moment, and that would be the climactic moment of the piece. And what actually wound up happening was 
when the doctors turned on the implant device and the baby, his name was Max, when Max heard sound for the first time, he started crying and he was angered by it. It was a foreign noise to him. He didn't know what was going on and it was a very abnormal reaction. At least that's what I thought. It turns out it happens quite frequently. And then after about a few minutes, the light kind of went on and then he started smiling. And then you could tell he was reacting to people's sounds and that change took place. And that wound up becoming the climactic moment of the story. So I always, in terms of finding stories and then telling them, I try to remain open. I try not to go into anything with too many preconceived notions. When I arrive on the scene of something, I'm always looking for the story to unfold to me. I, I try not to impress what I think will happen upon it. Yeah, uh, podcasts that we have about around video production tend to do really well. And uh, Matt's was a really great discussion about how to produce, you know, really engaging video, but also how to tell stories. And, you know, he's talking right there about a, an incident that he had and answering the question of, you know, how much pre-planning do you need to do? How much do you have to rely on once you show up there letting the story tell itself? I really loved his stories about working in a smaller market and learning how to become that one-man band because I feel like it really is those, those small places where you can just learn a ton. And if you start off right away working at, like, NBC New York it's going to be harder for you to learn those skills. He might not be where he is today because, you know, if he made a move like that. And uh, that really resonated with me, I know, just thinking about different pieces of advice that I heard when I was in college. Yeah, I think, Amber, you'd, you'd like this guy because he was, uh, one of his early jobs was producing video, sports videos in uh, Buffalo. Any mention of Buffalo is going to get applause from me. I'm completely, you know, totally biased uh, when it comes to my hometown. But I think to your point, Nicole, you know, when you start off in a market that maybe isn't quite as big, it's a lot like working in community newspapers, which I know I think we all came from to some degree or another. You learn how to do everything. You take your own photos or your own videos. You write up your own stories or your own in broadcasts, as I'm learning, your own story scaffolds. And you really you gain a level of skill and expertise that I don't think you would get in a bigger place where there's other people to do stuff for you. And seeing firsthand reporters that are sort of tasked with coming up with a story idea, taking their camera out, shooting the footage, editing it down, putting their packages together. It's a lot of work. And I have what he's doing as a video journalist, a multimedia journalist, whatever you want to call it. It's daunting. It's really impressive to see people do this every day. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Our next number seven is Madeline Sklar. She's a Twitter and marketing specialist and is the host of the Twitter Smarter podcast. It's kind of normal to tweet a lot. Like that's, you know, the shelf life of a tweet is so short. So on Facebook, you certainly don't post 20 times a day, but you can totally do it over on Twitter, which is really cool. So you just want to put together a promotion strategy, which is really no different than anything else that you would be promoting, like a podcast or, or anything else. And, and just, you know, strategize the different areas you want to promote it and, and then just start doing it and don't stop. This was the second time Madeline had been on the podcast and I was uh, looking for somebody else to come back on and looking for her to come back on it and talk about Twitter because she's been so successful on it. And, uh, you know, I think she had a lot of great tips for how to get the most out of that as a platform for not only just pushing your, your content, but also establishing relationships and, and looking for 
you know, sources out there to, to improve your writing. I love her advice about not just using social media and Twitter in particular for self-promotion and really creating those relationships, you know, starting out with like, hey, I liked your post, going to, you know, full conversations. I think that shows the development that, you know, many of us have with sources as we go and work on stories for whether it's a month or six months or a year. Um, and using social media as a tool, as a tool to develop that, I think it's it's wonderful. She's got great advice in here. I think Madeline's episode, there are a few episodes that I edit here that re- remind me, oh, I need to do that, you know, I should really start doing this one skill uh, in my in my day job here. And her episode was one of those for me, you know, just thinking about things that I should be doing when I'm on Twitter, social media, talking to sources, searching for sources, that kind of thing. Okay, our next uh, podcast, number six, is Andrea Wenzel. And and I'll interject at this point after I introduce her. Uh, Andrea is a senior research fellow at the Tao Center for Digital Journalism. But anyway, what I wanted to interject was the fact that she was our number one podcast in 2017. She's She's the champion of social journalism, actually going out in communities, you know, finding those stories basically on the street level, actually setting up places where you can meet members of the community, find out what their concerns are, find out the best way to communicate to them and get the stories that they need to help, uh, you know, improve their lives. They were kind of getting the advantage of having this face-to-face interaction with people from these neighborhoods, but in a way that it was sort of more trusted and kind of people could engage with them or not on their own terms. So it's kind of, it's interesting. They did this big experiment and they found out, you know, it's, it's maybe not these like kind of fancy new things, but it's, you know, combining, we have this great digital platform, but we also need to combine it with, you know, old school face-to-face outreach as well. So that was, I thought, an interesting result from their experiment. So I I was really glad to see that Andrea showed up on this list again. She's been on the podcast three times. She's reached out to us the last two times. This is something, this is giving me an opportunity to tell people that if you've got a good idea for a a podcast or a topic that you uh, would like us to discuss, reach out to us, send us a, drop us an email or something, an editor at It's All Journalism. We'd sort of established a relationship with Andrea. So every time she starts one of these new social journalism projects, this one that we talked about here was in Chicago, but she, we had one about her in rural Kentucky. And last year we had uh, one in uh, Los Angeles. And that was the one that was uh, our top podcast of the year. I really love her work and her approach to it. If we're telling stories about people, we need to talk to people. We need to let them talk to us. Duh. Yeah. Right? It should be. <laughs> um, if I'm remembering correctly, Andrea is the one that's, she's behind Curious City. She was part yes. of it. She helped to, that project to me is just incredible. I don't know. I'm a little jealous of anybody that gets to work on that because I just think that concept is so cool. They've done some really neat episodes on their, their podcast, their show, whatever you want to call it. So our next podcast is one, uh, number five. This means a, a lot to me and, and I'm really glad that this one showed up. It's the last interview that I had with Steve Buttry. He uh, is the director of student media at Louisiana State University. He'd been on the podcast in the early days. He was one of my instructors at American University. He was a great friend of the podcast. And anybody who has been in journalism and digital journalism in the last 10 years knows who Steve Buttry is. He passed away earlier in the year in his, I believe, his third bout of uh, fighting cancer. He, uh, he meant a lot to me. And... His philosophy is kind of woven into what this podcast is about. Journalists becoming smarter, 
and uh, better using digital tools to tell stories that, that are going to affect change and mean something to people. We just need more good conversations about ethics. I don't think we need you know, rules that say you should never, ever, ever do anything that could potentially involve you in a community activity that might be covered by the news because that would isolate us from the community where you get a lot of good news tips. Yeah. Make for a bad and boring life that, you know, we'd be bad parents, we'd be bad citizens, you know, we we wouldn't develop personally and spiritually the way that we need to, and we wouldn't be able to attract a journalist to such a restrictive occupation. And to be fair, I think one of the reasons that this did so well was because the headline was, you know, should journalists go to church? And I think that probably was that, that was a, a little pr- provocative. But that all came from, I mean, here's a man who, you know, again, was in his third fight with cancer and was still engaged in trying to improve journalism. And he had written this article about ethics and how transparent journalists needed to be about what organizations they were involved in. And so when I saw that he'd written this, I reached out to him and we had this, this great conversation. Yeah, I took a ethics journalism class in college and I think it was the best class that I took in college. It was definitely the best one in the journalism program. And I mean, yeah, we just, we just kind of walked through different scenarios and talked about how we might approach them and I mean, we talked about general broad principles or values that we might want to follow, but most of the class was our conversations about how we might apply them in real life. I mean, I think he's right. We could probably use more of those discussions, especially now, maybe more than ever. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I remember listening to this one and really it opened up so many doors of of thought and opportunity for thought of, you know, I never thought about this that way, this way before. Journalists going to church, I mean, we might be more hard pressed to find a journalist who confesses, haha, to going to church on a regular basis and maybe in other professions. But I was with some friends years ago and they debated whether reporters should vote. It's the same kind of idea. And I'm glad that he asked those questions. Yeah. Our next uh, podcast, podcast number four for 2017, was uh, my conversation with Ryan Craggs, an editor and uh, audience development strategist with Condé Nast Traveler. You're assuming that everyone is excited about Krispy Kreme. I think you're lowering the ceiling and lowering the audience on that story because now you're only looking at hardcore Krispy Kreme people. Whereas if you say Krispy Kreme is coming out with a Nutella donut, you have people that like Krispy Kreme, people that like donuts, people that like Nutella. You know, it's just like I think it expands the audience and raises the ceiling on the number of people who will care about that thing. Whereas trying to game it so that people click more, I think you're lowering the ceiling. So, you know, like, I think it would be more important to have a million people see a story and then maybe get 10,000 to click as opposed to 100,000 people to read the story and then get maybe 10,000 to click still. You know, you have a better percentage of people clicking, but you ultimately end up with sort of the same amount of clicks and you just lose people who would have seen it in the first place. I'm not too surprised this one is up here. This is another one of those ones that, you know, addresses a concern that I have every day is how to make headlines that are clickable that represent what the story is about but you know help uh, help you with your mission as well so you not to create clickbait but to create things that engage and incite people and and get them interested in your story and uh, Ryan had written this uh, article about it I thought it was really fascinating and we had a great conversation about how to write good headlines and that's just practical you know knowledge that people people need every day when they do their job 
And how many of our, I mean, look at the top 10 that we're going through right now. How many of them are about, in some way, shape, or form, engagement? Most and what of it takes to have good engagement. I mean, this is this is a real big question right now, and I, I think it's great. Is Ryan the reason for the bane of my existence every day here and submitting multiple headlines for a story that I write? Actually, Ryan <laughs> and Joy are probably a bit of that. They're, they're right. They're, it's, they're right. It's, it's all part of the same deal, man. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. <laughs> so, um, and I'm going to have a quiz for both of you. You, you. you sort of jumped the gun here in saying what type of podcasts these are, but no. I'm going to challenge you both to think about what stories and topics are not in this top 10. Our number three is uh, Neil Augenstein from WTOP Radio. Uh, he was also the creator of the Investigation Continues podcast. He's been on a couple of times, but this was the time he came in to talk about that podcast. I traveled down to a little town where the trial is going to be held in Bedford County, Virginia, a place where I normally would never have traveled, probably. But, you know, I got to, to learn a little bit about the the, the people there and, and the, the beautiful landscape there. Uh, and I uh, saw the, the place where supposedly uh, the girls uh, were eventually brought you know, I think that, that being able to picture that in my mind's eye at the time and describe it and to integrate it into the, the podcast will really help to paint a picture. I think that it does raise some, some possibilities, you know, so, some, some great possibilities for a reporter, but it also raises some, some challenges, I think, in, in the storytelling because a reporter is able to tell a story as it happens, but uh, you know podcasts don't necessarily happen instantly. So there's you know a real difference between my day job of reporting breaking news and the podcast, which uh, allows a story to sort of percolate over days and weeks and months. And I think one of the reasons that this did so well last year was that his podcast did so well. I think people were looking for anything about that particular podcast. And if you haven't listened to Investigation Continues, you can find it on Podcast One. It's an excellent podcast, uh, true crime, about uh, the Lion Sisters case, which has been open for, I think, 40 years. And they just um, convicted the the perpetrator, the murderer of these two girls. It was a really terrible story here in Washington, D.C., and it turned out to, to be the source of a great podcast. I miss hearing his voice every day. <laughs> well, we hear it. We hear him quite a lot. We see him all the time around here. Speaking of podcasts, our, our number two is also about podcasts. This is the only podcast in our top 10 for 2017 that actually came from 2016. This is my conversation with Nigel Poor, the producer of the Ear Hustle podcast. I did this interview at uh, Podcast Movement 2016 in Chicago. What is so thrilling about it is that it's a different world, and it's a world that most of us don't have access to. And so I'm always always curious about going someplace new and being challenged and having my assumptions change. And, of course, before I went into prison, my mind really only saw it as a place that was sculpted by what I read in the newspaper and what I see in in, movies and such. So... Uh, to go in there and to see uh, such a different world and to meet men that it is it's men there I mean to meet men that have 
done some terrible things um, and are in the process of rehabilita- rehabilitating themselves is fascinating to me. Like, I, 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 I'm so curious about the worst of us and the best of us, and most of us don't have an opportunity to know that. But if you've committed a horrible crime and you are interested in rehabilitation, you have to really reach back and understand who that person was who was capable of doing it and then who you are now. So it's really about human nature for me, like what makes us who we are. Yeah, I apologize for that. That obviously that audio was was recorded in a hallway. I, I should have like grabbed her and shoved her into a closet and interviewed her there. But you know, one of the reasons this is really up there, it is compelling. It's a great podcast if you haven't heard it. It's on PRX uh, Radio Lab. It's called Ear Hustle. It's about prison. It uh, takes place in San Quentin Prison. Nigel volunteers there, produces a podcast with uh, two of the uh, prisoners there. It's a pretty astounding podcast. And I'm sure, as good as our podcast is, I'm sure that one of the reasons it's so high, especially since it's it's something from last year, is because since January, their podcast has premiered and has you know been everywhere. It, it's been featured everywhere. So I think some of those listeners have come over. And hopefully they're sticking around listening to our podcast. But it's a really insightful interview for a really insightful podcast. I'm looking at the write-up here, and it's mentioned that they were finalists in a podcast yes. Yeah, they won, they won the competition between when our, we ran the original podcast and when we switched over into Podcast One in uh, February, when most of the people started downloading it. That's that's around, I think, when they, they premiered. It's been a huge podcast, and I've been listening to catching up on some of the episodes. I, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, that was maybe one of my favorite new things that I listened to this year was Ear Hustle. And the really cool thing about that show is that they get all those guys to do everything for the podcast. Like, they produced the music, which is awesome. They have some great, like, tracking music in the background. The theme song is written by the guys in the prison. They tell some really interesting and incredible stories that I never would have thought I would have heard before. So I see why that that episode's number two. Yeah, the, the last one I listened to, it starts out with, we're really sorry that we missed, that we had a delay in posting. There was a riot and the prison was closed down for two yeah. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. That contributes a degree of realism to it, I suppose. So our last one, and I will say I'm a little surprised by it, but pleasantly surprised, is my conversation with Rich Gordon. He's a professor and director of digital innovation at Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism. We talked about innovation and entrepreneurship and journalism products. Every organization now needs to have and create new publications and media products, and not just News organizations, by the way, every company, every brand, every nonprofit organization, every government agency probably has email newsletters, websites, maybe apps, and a need to communicate its story to its stakeholders. And the process of building a successful media product is the same, whether, in my opinion, whether you do it at a news organization or a, uh, a non-media organization. You have to understand who your users are. You have to understand what they need. You have to f- develop content for them. You've got to figure out how to get it to them. And then you have to be able to measure whether or not it is working, whether it's successful, whether it is building engagement, whether it is helping accomplish the goals of your organization. And all of these are skills um, that I, th- I think can be learned. And I think that 
journalists are actually well positioned to be successful in that space because they understand content and storytelling, which is really at the core of this. What they need um, to be successful on, on, on the product side is the other skills that complement their understanding of reporting and storytelling. Well, again, I said I was a little surprised at this, but maybe I'm, I'm not. I think this is a journalism products, you know, whether you create an app or a game or some other entity or even just uh, launching a podcast or, or launching an online publication. It's this idea of, you know, new journalists coming in and not just looking for a job at a, at a newspaper or a TV station or something, but actually creating a product from the ground up, a journalism product from the ground up that they can uh, promote and uh, grow. So uh, I think there are a lot of people who are interested in that. That's not necessarily surprising to me that, that other people are, are interested in getting into that. It seems as if, you know, we've been talking about alt-weeklies closing or laying off staff. And I think the point was made in the at the live show that we did a couple of weeks ago that, you know, there's too much talent out there for the number of writing and producing and broadcasting jobs that are out there. And so it would make sense to me that creative people would want to make creative things. Yeah. Everybody needs writers. I don't care what you do, who you are, what kind of company you work for. You need somebody who can talk about what you do in a way that's easy to understand. And really, again, you know, to your point, Nicole, people with a communications background, we are probably more in demand than we realize because everybody Need, I don't want to say everybody needs us, but everybody needs us. Yeah, our skills are not always immediately recognized, but they are useful in a lot of different ways. So, Amber, you mentioned there are a lot of, you know, skills-based, engagement-based, or even engagement-focused. Considering the types of topics that, that I found myself talking to a lot about during the year, do you notice there's anything that's missing from this top ten? There's no politics. There is absolutely no politics. Uh. There's no mention of Trump. There's no mention of uh, fake news. At all. At all. It's interesting. Maybe it's not too surprising. <laughs> I think maybe, you know, people, it helps us to define what our podcast is all is about. And I think if you look at these, you know, we talked about skills, about engagement, and about proving, improving the way we do our jobs. I mean, that's been the core of what we've set out to do. So it shouldn't be surprising that those are the things that people are more interested in. The other things, like how to cover politics, how you know how to deal with with the Trump administration in, in your job and, and ethics and things like that. I mean, I think people are interested, but you know those aren't the things that large groups of people maybe are interested in. Doesn't mean we're not gonna, we're going to stop doing those, um, but maybe um, we'll have some more video ones. Maybe we'll have some more practical skills ones going forward, more digital skills ones. So definitely do that. I'm always looking for stuff like that. So to sort of wrap this up, let's talk a little bit about what we've done in the, pod, the podcast this year, besides these 10 episodes and the 40 odd other ones that we did in the year. Early in the year, our, our big jump for us is we uh, started posting our podcast on Podcast One. Podcast One is a company, a podcasting platform that's owned by Hubbard, which owns the radio station that Nicole and I work at. This is our podcast. It's not a podcast one podcast. It's not a Hubbard podcast. It's something that we produce outside of our daily jobs. So we're independent of that. But by being on podcast one, it's given us a, a great deal of exposure. It's uh, increased the number of downloads we get every week, which we're really happy about that. It's given us opportunities. We had a wrestling journalist whose name escapes me at the moment. Wade Keller. Don't ask me how I remember his name right now. Yeah, he reached out to us. 
when he was going to show up on Podcast One with his new podcast and said, hey, this looks like a podcast I'd like to be on because I'm a journalist, a wrestling journalist. And that was a fun conversation. So, you know, maybe moving forward, we'll have other opportunities like that. We will see. Also this year, we premiered our new music and artwork, which I'm really happy with, both from the artwork from Carolyn Bolevsky and and the music from Nick Dupre. So really pleased with that. We also launched our Patreon campaign to great fanfare and little success. We're hoping to grow that a little bit more in the coming year. I'll put a little more effort into that. We also just started a weekly email newsletter. You can sign up for that on our website. I encourage you to do that. We're going to have exclusive content to the newsletter. We're going to be hopefully having some exclusive audio content in there very soon. We'll have some opportunities to do uh, read your polls, uh, surveys, so you can provide input on uh, the podcast moving forward. So please, please, please go ahead and sign up for the newsletter on our website. And because we've been talking about engagement, so that's your part of the job. You need to engage with us. We're reaching out to you. Nicole just mentioned it. We had a live event a few weeks ago, which was a great success. And the National Press Club has invited us to come back in the new year. And it looks like maybe February. As soon as February, we'll have another live event going on in D.C. And we're looking forward to doing more live events throughout the year. You know, personally, I had uh, I had my book published, my podcasting book published. And I just finished up my first course of teaching podcasting at American University. I'm really pleased about that. And what I'm hoping to do in the new year as part of this podcast is start doing pop-up podcasting clinics in the D.C. area at local uh, colleges, but also at colleges around the country. I'm going to be at DePaul University in uh, Greencastle, Indiana in February to do one of these pop-up clinics. But if you'd like to have me or Nicole or Nicole and me coming out to uh, do a training session with you for podcasting, let us know. That might be something we'll be doing in the new year. What? No road trips? No road trips. Maybe we'll do road trips. Come Here's, on up. Come Here on. Go some places. Here's my vision for this. This becomes so successful that you're able to have a pod pod. Yes. So, you know, that's what we call the little van or the little, yeah. you know, vehicle that you arrive in with all of your podcasting equipment and where you do the clinic. Yeah. It's, it's called a, a pod pod. I like to think of it as something like the mystery machine. Perhaps yes. uh-huh. where um, there'll be lots of snacks in the back, perhaps Scooby <laughs> snacks, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And Maybe it's just a VW bus that's gutted yeah. out. And <laughs> yeah, that we could solve. Like we could solve. We, we could train people how to do podcasts and solve mysteries mm. at the same time. Right. We can go up to. Well, that's probably a podcast right there. Yeah. Uh, the uh, what's the uh, that we could do the mystery of Darien Lake. We can go up to Western New York, right? There we go. Sure. We'll find we'll find you something good. Okay. Just bring Neil along since he's your uh, investigative okay. guru here. We, we will do that. Thank you all for listening to our podcast, supporting us. We're looking forward to having more fun and more podcasts in 2018. And I hope you have a good holiday and New Year season. And you too, Nicole, and you too, Amber. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. It takes a lot of people to make an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. 
If you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism, why not support us on our Patreon campaign? Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us to continue telling the story of good journalism. And while you're on our website, why not sign up for our weekly newsletter? You can get the latest news about It's All Journalism, exclusive content, reader surveys, and uh, news about upcoming live events. Just follow the link on our website to sign up for our weekly email newsletter. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. Target USA podcast with your host, J.J. Green. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. That could touch the whole of the United States. ISIS. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to see an attack. This is J.J. Green. Join me each week for the latest on U.S. and international security on Target USA. The Target USA podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC. The Finish the Game podcast with your host, Sean Alexander. Draw play to Sean. Across the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. Hey, this is Sean Alexander, NFL MVP. Check out my podcast, Finish the Game, where I discuss sports and life lessons helping you become an MVP. The Finish the Game podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC.